This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. I'm Poonam Verma. I was very lucky to recently get an exclusive one-to-one with the one and only Stephen Bartlett, the man who became a self-made millionaire at 23 and he's still only 29. He's got a long way to go. We're also going to be talking to Ashna Taktani. She's a 13-year-old giving us top tips how to get into TV and media. She's been doing it since she was seven years old. Also, KidsApp is here to see what you can do to keep your kids busy during this period before they go back to school. And our legal eagle, Ludmilla, is here to answer all your questions, any concerns or queries or legal questions you have. So if in the world of entrepreneurship or motivation or even scrolling across Instagram or social media, this man needs no uh, introduction, but I'm going to introduce him anyway. Stephen Bartlett, welcome to the show. How is life treating you? Wonderful. It's wonderful being here. The weather's nice, people are nice, everything's been very smooth and you know, welcoming. So yeah, it's good to be here. Do you know what? I know a lot of people start their interviews going, oh, you're 23 and you became a millionaire. That really doesn't bother me right now. I'm going to come back to that later. What I really appreciate about you, because this interview, I just found out about this interview a few hours ago or yesterday, and they said to me, do you want to interview Steve Bartlett? I went, okay. And when I looked, I've looked at your videos, and I thought some of the words that you've said at such a young age, you seem to have your head on your shoulders. And I feel like you've evolved in some, in many ways, a role model to many young people and to adults. You kind of went, yeah. No, I do. I do. I think, I think through your journey, I think you've learned quickly at an earlier age where you're showing a lot of wisdom to people in their 30s or 40s don't know. Have you always been a pretty open book? Because you talk about everything from relationships to your failures to your successes. Or have you evolved into becoming quite transparent to show it with the whole world? Has it taken a lot of self-reflection? Um, I definitely evolved into it, I think. I think it's an experiment I conducted, which is the experiment of like what happens if you um, speak openly and honestly about what you think and feel and like what's the the net consequence to you and others and the experiment started you know started with maybe seven or eight years ago when I started doing like personal brand related stuff and then with the podcast and that experiment has been a net positive to myself it's like freeing to live a life which is very aligned with who you are and for there to really not, not be another version of you so like on camera off camera it's the same person it's the same beliefs it's the same values that is liberating, that is a free way to live. It's good for the mind, good for the body, good for the soul. And then for others, it's also really, um, there's a net benefit to it because it turns out that that's what people can resonate with, which is just being honest about stuff, like honest about how you feel, your emotions, your struggles, your insecurities, your inadequacies, and all the, those things. It takes things. courage, though, to do that. I think it's, it depends on your risk assessment of the situation because it's probably more courageous to do the opposite. If you look at all the stats and the science, to, to fake your life results in... Um, psychological and material um, misalignment, which causes a ton of ton of psychological issues and um, depression rates go up, suicide rates go up. I mean, if you think about people that are living um, misaligned with their own sexuality, depression and suicide is significantly higher. And then if I reflect on the podcast guests I've had that end up pursuing a career path because maybe they were good at something and they got promoted and promoted and promoted or their parents wanted them to be that thing, those are the ones that end up having panic attacks on the motorway and crashing out of that career. So I actually think the, the courageous thing to do, the biggest risk, in, in fact, is to live misaligned. 
and the science supports that. Wow. I do like the fact that you, hard, you ask the hard-hitting questions. You don't, you know, they're not fluffy, superficial questions on your podcast. Um, and when I do an interview with somebody, um, I like to have a meaningful exchange. I like to walk away thinking, did this person teach me anything today? Was I entertained? Um, did we have a meaningful conversation? And will the audience be interested? Has there been a guest where they've taught you something that you'll never forget on your podcast? Oh, gosh, so many of them. And that's really why I love doing it, because I, I come into those conversations with my own biases and my own assumptions. Yeah. And almost every time those assumptions are incorrect. So I'll, come, you know, I'll be doing my research upstairs because the podcast is filmed in my house. I'll be doing the research upstairs and I'll be looking at the story and etc. I'll be thinking, oh, this is, we're going to talk about this thing and it's going to be meh, whatever. And then I go downstairs and the amount of times where I just have my mind blown or I learn something new about the world or... Or they surprised me for the other reason, which is I thought they were going to be this incredible rock star and they were the opposite. Um, that, that's why I love to do it, because it's just, you know, it's the surprise of these individuals. You must get a buzz when you walk away thinking that was such a good interview. Does it give you that high? It does, yeah, because, because I know that, I, know, I feel like I'm one with the audience and I know the, the, how the audience are going to respond. If I res- felt a certain way about it, um, the audience are going to feel a certain way about it. And it's almost nearly always correct. So like the, the Mo Gaudat conversation at the start of the, the conversation, I actually say, this is my favorite podcast of all time. It then goes on to be the most shared podcast in, the, in Europe in 2022. I heard that. And that feels like, I, you know, even though he, he's not the most, um, English is maybe his third language. Um, I knew the value underneath it was life-changing. And it's the same with Gabor Mate, who, again, English is his maybe third or fourth language. Sometimes quite hard to hear the words he's saying, but it changed my life. And so to see it's done millions and millions of downloads this month, again, is just sort of life-affirming that if you, the value and the conversation are really the most important thing. I love the fact as a guy that you really talk about um, relationships very openly. A lot of people don't. And um, how you sabotage them, your ego's got in the way, or you've attracted the wrong people. But the one thing you said that really stood out for me, I like this, and it was about your girlfriend Mel, and I think you, you were going to break up or something, and you said, is this relationship worth it rather than is this relationship perfect? You had to ask yourself that. So I want to know where you are today with Mel. How did you know that this relationship was worth it even if it wasn't perfect? It goes back, I think a point of this goes back to what I said about expectations. Like, so when you have really unhealthy relationships, you go through life examining the perfection of everything. Yeah. And you, including your relationships, and that's a bar that you'll never meet. So if you don't meet the bar, you end up in dissatisfaction and disappointment. Um, and I think somewhere, maybe from watching movies or from Instagram, I'd, I was walking around with this assumption and expectation that a relationship should be, in, should be perfect. Oh, chick flicks, Hallmark, we all think about it. I'm glad you as a guy said that too. Yeah, and so when mine fell below that expectation or we encountered our first problem, I thought that this relationship must not be um, right because it wasn't perfect. So I threw the relationship away. Where are we today? I think, I think we're as close to perfect as we'll probably ever get. I know. I know you're very happy in love. Yeah. I like that. Um, what would you say to a lot of men when it comes to trying to balance um, a healthy work life, a healthy relationship, taming that ego while striving for success and recognition too? Um, I, think, I think the centre point of your influence, the centre point of the world, the centre point of everything is just like your relationship with yourself. Um, and so, and this is really the case for everybody, you know, we, we, so many people walk through life angry and disappointed that they haven't got the outcome, that life hasn't given them the outcomes they want, whether it's romantically or professionally or whatever else. 
I just can't relate. I have such a high level of personal responsibility that I, I, I'm empowered to the, to the point that I believe my outcomes in my relationship with my girlfriend are really a reflection of me, my relationship with myself, and re yeah, my relationship with myself. So that's the most empowering way to live because it means that I can change my outcomes, I can improve my relationships, I can get better results professionally by first working on the controllable, which is my, working on myself, taking myself to the gym, checking my ego, doing the work on myself, introspection, writing in my diary, understanding myself, reflecting, striving to be better. Um, and then if I do that, if I do all of that work on myself, it turns out the world outside of me changes and becomes much better. But you know, so, a lot of people don't want to work on themselves. That's the problem. It's hard work working on yourself. It is, but I think it also starts with an awareness that like, um, of personal responsibility. People don't like the topic of personal responsibility. In fact, Mo Gaudat said to me that he, when he writes his books, he um, kind of opens them up to 500 of his fans and p creates this Google link where they can all read the book ahead of time. And he says about 8 to 10% of people will quit the document in the chapter of personal responsibility. People don't like the idea of it. They, they want to be able to blame an external factor for the circumstances of their life. And sometimes, I mean, external factors do play a role. But what an un disempowered way to live, yeah. to think that you're a puppet and that there's this puppet master who you can have no influence over. So I've always just defaulted to like really believing that I can control my outcomes. This goes back to what I said about self-belief on stage and believing I could go to the moon. Um, I think I'm in control and I think that's a better way to live. And so that's what I'd say to men and really all, all people that are trying to strike the balance right in their lives is just keep doing the work on yourself. Like go to the gym, take care of your mind, drink and eat healthy, um, love more, invest in your relationships, etc., etc. That you've been criticised for criticising social media and everything you've criticised about it, I've applauded you because I criticise it a lot. I see the good in it. I see it when you put um, content which has value on it and meaning. But it was really interesting. I read a book, you might have heard of it, called Stolen Focus by Johan Harry. And he says that social media has created a very narcissistic society. Mm -hmm. And a few weeks ago, I was lucky to um, have Deepak Chopra. He was here in, in Sharjah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said... Too many people have sacrificed themselves for their selfies. And I really like that because he was dealing with a lot of teens who were dealing with mental health and body issues. And I've come across teens here who compare the therapist they go to, the anxiety tablets they have. These are conversations I never had growing up. What kind of impact do you feel social media plays? Because I know it's something that you feel strongly about, even though we both use the platform. I mean, I criticize social media in the same way that I could criticize pizza, like anything in overconsumption. Yes. Anything used mindlessly um, is probably going to be have a net negative impact on you, and that's one of the, the things about social media. It's very the use of it is very un, unintentional and unconscious. Yeah. So you know, um, when things are unconscious and they're, they're, there's not enough intentionality about them, they end up in unproductive outcomes, which is what we're talking about, which is a decay of one's self-esteem. It is um, a loss of real-world connection, um, and then there's all the other like more nefarious things like scamming and other things which are probably a little bit too do you monitor yourself or do you detox from social media i just i just don't really follow anybody if i says i follow a thousand people i think i probably have 950 of them muted so if i open up the app now i can only actually stay on the app for 30 seconds because i've got 10 friends that i can see so i open it there's 10 people and i close it I'm the same. I follow probably about 70. My friend gave me this tip. She goes, post and ghost. I said, what's that? She goes, post what you need to, but then get out. You don't need to see other people's lives and waste your energy. And I, I'm also not posting anything relating to my self-esteem. So, like, yeah. 
I'm posting ideas, thoughts, quotes, and videos. You're not posting yourself by a pool. Never post a selfie, never post a pool. No one knows where I am. Nobody knows I'm even here now. Nobody knows what I do for holiday. They will know you're here when I post. (laughs) Yeah, they will do, yeah. But that's the only way that people know. They don't know what I buy, which means that when I buy things, there's no part of me that's buying it because I think people are going to see it. So you don't, your life changes. Do you think these kind of people are just quite self-obsessed or insecure or is it just... No, it's all of us. We're all insecure. We're all playing different status games. You're playing a status game, I'm playing one. Yeah. My status game is slightly different now because if I wear Louis Vuitton, it actually probably sends me down in status. Whereas billionaires, the logos get smaller, the yacht gets bigger. If you go to a council estate where people don't have much money, the logo gets bigger. It's just different types of games. We're all playing the same, playing games. As some, I used to think that I'd like broken free of um, insecurities and signaling. Of course not. Status is like fundamental to What's the What's your biggest insecurity right now then? If you had one today? It's probably still, I'm just, probably still just trying to prove myself, I think. Probably still trying to prove to people that, like the kid in me, probably still just trying to prove that I'm the best. Because you used to say that shame and insecurity was your biggest motivators. Mm. Have you let go of that? And probably not. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Like, I, I think sometimes if you'd ask me, I'd probably say yes. But if I, if I try and look at myself objectively, probably not. I probably still like to be number one. I still like to show off. I still like to um, win. Uh, To a lesser extent, it's less like making the decision, but it's still there. So I I asked Gary Vee once, I said, you've made your money. When is enough is enough? Why don't you just go home and spend time with the kids? And it's like, I think he was on this endless search for trying to always be better, make more. Doesn't that ever stop? Or is there something that you're trying to fill a void, trying to chase this all the time? Because there's a difference chasing a passion and chasing something to fill your insecurity. No, but humans need to chase. They need to struggle forward towards things. That's why your ancestors had you and that's why they built these big buildings and the roads and the bridges because somewhere in their genetic code they have this little message that says you're going to struggle you're going to struggle forward and it's less so about like where you're struggling forward to but it's more so that you are struggling forward and that chaos is our stability as humans so being in chaos being having uncompleted goals things to strive for something to struggle over is what makes you feel stable yeah so So i'm going to end with a question that most people start off with with you is that you know 23, you became a millionaire and you admitted that it didn't make you happy. Yeah. And I think more equally today to be a 23-year-old, being mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally happy and content is more, not is equally as important. And people look to you to say, I want to be like this. Stephen Bartlett today, what makes you happy? What does it look like to you, happiness? Um, so I, I talked about a few of the things on stage about consistency um, in my health and then balance in my life. But then I think from a foundational perspective, you're trying to find this balance of like uh, a sense of progress, which is key to all humans and like on our psychology, a sense of progress in your life towards goals that you consider to be meaningful, that are sufficiently challenging, not too challenging, not too easy, um, surrounded by a supportive community of people you love. Um, and with a high degree of personal autonomy and, and freedom. If you have all of those things, people in work, in their lives, tend to be um, stable. And that's, that's really what happiness is. It's that sort of, it's that mental stability of, you know, and I, safety. I feel like just being next to you, I feel like you're a constant thinker. I don't know why, but I feel like there's always something going on in your head. Is, really. is there? Not really. My head is so calm. People really don't understand my, like people think, I don't know what they think of my head, but my head is so calm. It's so calm and it's so clear and it's so peaceful. But uh, I do a lot of conversations like this. I've had a lot of repetitions of like answering questions and stuff. So oh. it seems like I, I don't read books. So it seems like I know what I'm talking about. But you've got a new book. You're in writing one uh, yeah. in the jungle for New Year's. Yeah. So what does the jungle do for you? Peace, quiet, tranquility? Takes me back to being human. 
you know, that's the most human place I think in the world. So yeah, it makes me feel human and clear minded, which is what I need to be, which is conducive with writing good books. Okay, well, it was an absolute pleasure to meet you. Thank, Thank you so for much. saying yes to this interview and no giving worries. me 15 you minutes me. of your time. Appreciate you. Thank, Thank you so much. See you soon. So when I wanted to get into the media many, many moons ago, um, not that many moons ago, I should say, my mom said that's not a proper job and it's difficult to even get your door you know, your foot in the door, or let alone get a break. I can't speak today because I had too much food yesterday. Sorry about that. <laughs> Nevertheless, I had such um, a passion for everything. I used to make music. I used to sing and songwrite, perform on stage, love speaking. So I went back to university. I did a marketing degree and I went back to university years later to get a postgrad in journalism just as a good base. However, with social media now, most of you don't need to be qualified journalists to share your message or attract an audience. Now, on the one hand, that gives people who have talent a space to create their own niche and brand. But also, on the other hand, you have to be very careful because people who have a big following don't always know how to deal with the haters. They don't also know the legal laws when you are a journalist or putting stuff out there or the negative, how to deal with negative comments and that much attention, especially when you are just a teen. Now, in the studio with me now is one of those teens who has made a name for herself. I've known her for about four years since she was about eight or nine. Uh, she's been on both radio and TV and she's here with her mum. Ashna is 13 years old and her mom Ashi is <clears throat> but she still looks 27. <laughs> how are you how are you guys? Very very good. Thank you Punam. Thank you for having us here. I'm absolutely ecstatic. Yeah, so yeah, thank you again for having us. See, here. at 13 I didn't even use the word ecstatic. Do you know what I mean? So this is how confident <laughs> this lady is. So uh, tell everybody a little bit briefly about some of the work that you've done both on TV and radio and what age you started. Okay, um, so I started at the age of seven uh, as a radio presenter. I worked with Pearl FM for around two years. There I hosted a weekly morning show with my co-host Safe. And um, over a period of time, I actually got my own show to host, which was a show for kids by kids. So that was like a little concept we started ourselves. Uh, huge press conference for that one. You know, we were covered in all the newspapers all over the Gulf. And um, that's basically my work on radio. Uh, on TV, recently, I presented for Expo 2020 for the entirety of the six months. And, you know, you had live presenting, you had being a roving reporter, you had in-studio with the guests and everything. Um, so in terms of TV experience, there's that. And then obviously, you know, I am a motivational speaker as well. Um, and basically, it's it's all started at the age of seven. Yeah. So when you do get to your 20s, you're just going to retire because you would have done everything, right? <laughs> uh, no, actually, um, there's a lot more to be done. Uh, from my perspective, I love what I do. And I don't think I ever want to retire. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. If I retire, my brain is like doing nothing. Oh, my God, I overthink and start doing silly things. It's best to stay off the streets and keep busy. That's my motto. Um, so, Mom, Ash, Ashi. Mm. She said she got into radio at seven. I mean, how did that even happen? Like, did she, did she just think, God, she talks so much. Let's put her on air. Again, uh, I think we had no role to play in that. She used to call uh, every single day to Pearl FM to just uh, answer the questions and all. And one day, because my husband, he gets a call saying that she's very confident. She speaks very clearly. We like to have her on radio. I remember when he calls me from oh, office. Oh, so the radio station said that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. 
my first reaction was no i said she's too young yeah. and you know she has school to attend and you know all all those totally. years my mom said that when i was in my early 20s so in seven <laughs> i'd be exactly yeah, the same i said it's it's too much of a pressure on her but then we spoke to her and she was very very excited about it and then we said okay we'll give it a try once a week so i remember thursday was the day wednesday or thursday one yeah. day we picked up and then she started doing and she used to love it so much as she said it went on to a kids show which used to happen on weekends as well So she got herself a weekend job as well alongside the week week job. So you've been so. working since you were a baby really. <laughs> Literally you're one of those child labourers. <laughs> mom and dad are, mom and dad are making some good money from you girl. <laughs> um, so um I met you I think it was about 4 years ago and I had to direct some of your videos and I was so blown away by how confident you were because I mean even now if I'm doing interviews you know I can still be a little bit blindsided thinking oh my god am I good enough I'm interviewing this celebrity or this person because you're forever learning you didn't seem to have that around me and I'd been on TV for many years and on radio so were you nervous or did you just think you know what I'm just confident Um I don't think I've ever really been nervous um but then again I think I can thank my parents for that. So the word nervous was never really used around um you know in our household. Um it was always just excitement and that like if there was nervousness like it was like it was good. It means that you really care about what you're doing and you're super excited. And so that's why I because words play a really important role in like whatever you do, you know. Um because our subconscious mind it's always listening and it's it's, it's just always there. So that's why we never really use the word nervous and so I really wasn't ever nervous, you know. It was just excitement. So we have to give credit to mom and dad for the way they've put those words in your head growing up and that's a big thing parents play a massive i mean my parents you know i think they were nervous back in the day because no one was in the entertainment yeah. industry um but they were still very supportive for that time and a lot of parents weren't so we i know your parents really well and i know how supportive <laughs> they are um when you watch other presenters who inspires you apart from me Yeah, I was, was going to say am I supposed to say your name? I I will. Um <laughs> you don't have to. Uh no, definitely you. Uh, um I I love your, you know, the way you're just so confident and bubbly. Um I think a lot of people I've worked with during Expo, um because it's like I've never really been there. It's like all these people who've been doing it for so many years and it's like, wow. Look at them and their confidence and you know um their professionalism that's really what gets me it's like you are so easy and you just you just carry everything so nicely the flow is so beautiful you know um so i think it's not really ever just been one person i think everybody's really had a part to play and i everybody is kind of like my idol there i'm quite a sensitive soul i'm quite empathic and i'm like if someone doesn't like me i'm like well no i think about it maybe i've changed now i've got better but you young kids have to have a bit of a tough skin earlier than we did right so do you get people a little bit envious of what you're doing and what you've achieved so far and sometimes get the odd negative comments or even at school do you come across it I mean um wherever there's success there is going to be hatred right uh, hatred or envy or whatever you want to call it uh so yes it has always been there um whether it's been you know via social media or in school you know your friends just indirectly giving you the dirty look or you know you're not really being able to trust who can you really like who is your true friend who will stay uh, with yeah, you when that's you what know. happens when you get to celebrity status yeah I totally, <laughs> I totally get that Ashna <laughs> uh no obviously it was at a much like you know a small scale but things in school everyone is just so dramatic you know and i mean we're young so you know it, it just is like that Um so yeah there so, have so been So when it first happened how did you feel? 
um, I, I I didn't really know how to cope with this stuff back then because, like you said, you know, I'm also a very empathetic soul. Like, if you don't like me, it's like, why? What have yes. I done? You know yeah. what I mean? Because I'm not... I'm not not saying like I'm an amazing person or I am. But I yeah, totally. <laughs> That's why we get on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's like it's always about kindness for me. You know, sharing, caring. Again, yes. this is the values that my parents have taught me. So when it's like somebody's unkind, you don't understand it. Right. Exactly. I totally agree with you. And I was seven, so I I, I didn't even know yeah. about you know why. And it's funny because your parents teach you you know good values, kindness, respect people, and when then people don't do that. I don't have the tools to become like them because I wasn't brought up like that. And then I'm like, there's so many people like that in the world that haven't been brought up with these values. So how do I deal with this? And then and that's a bit of a challenge for me, even as an adult. And then you start avoiding people and your tribe gets smaller. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So how did you protect her and how do you do it now still today on social media? So I think first I'll start with that. She said that it was when it started happening around her. I, I am a very, very, I believe, as she said, the words you use, what you focus on. So we started telling her that it's okay. Always believe there's going to be good people like Poonam around oh. us <laughs> and God is going to send them at the right time, at the you know, at the yeah. right opportunity. So focus on that rather than if somebody is jealous and or, or they're not liking it. Because then ultimately, Ultimately, you will become like that if you focus too much, so mm. much on that. So, and when it comes to protecting, as you said, social media plays a very, very vital role, and they are they they write whatever they want to write. They don't think that a small child is going to read it. So, till date, her social media is on my and my husband's phone. So we are very we equip her. We don't hide it from her. Yeah. We tell her, we equip her that this is happening and how you need to deal with it and what could be going on in the mind of the person yeah. who's writing it. Yeah. So rather than hiding it, we share what is actually happening. Mm. So that's how we kind of protect her by equipping her that that giving her that confidence that she can deal with it and this is normal and natural that this will happen in this industry it's funny because my niece when she was about 10 she wanted me to film her doing a little baking video and she was a complete natural like you I was so shocked I was like oh my goodness she must have got something from me at least some talent <laughs> and then I put it on YouTube and what I didn't do is turn the comments off I, I thought it would be fine yeah. hardly anyone's going to see it and then one somebody who knows her another 10 year old said oh are you at such and such school yeah. my sister panicked yeah. she went I don't want anyone to know what school she goes Correct. to take it off now yeah. and I felt so bad because the video was so good but I, I my sister panicked yeah. she's um, a mother you a know. Yeah. absolutely and, yeah. I t and I totally get it because and then also my, my niece created a website page when she was 10 <laughs> she didn't know and she had a contact there a oh. picture there we didn't oh. know she did it and again we had to say there are not nice people in the world yeah. you know and it was yeah. it was horrible to say that to her so Ashna, if there are some kids out there, teens, even like young people in their 20s, what tips would you give them to get into TV and radio and, and media? Because it's changed a lot now. The tips I would give are very different to what you would give. Um, kind of just throw yourself out there. I mean, obviously, first, uh, have a niche, right? You know, because sometimes when we try to go all out like, oh, I can do this, 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 this and that. It's like, OK, but what kind of opportunity are you looking for? Because saying everything, that's very broad. You know, you really have to be specific in order to try and get the right person to contact you at the right time, you know? Mm. So obviously it's about do everything you can. And those things, they stay the same no matter what age you are in, you know, mm. uh, whether social media is there or not. So do your best, uh, sharpen your skills. You know, it's not always just about, oh, when will I hit it big? Sharpen your skills now so that when you do hit it big or when somebody does notice you, you're ready. And, you know, it's like uh, my mom always used to tell me, uh, what is it? The farmer would always sharpen his axe 
to cut down the tree. You know, something like that. So it's all. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. I didn't say it right, but it, you, you know, got something. The message. Yeah, yeah, something along those lines. <laughs> um, and then obviously with social media, hashtags are a great way to really target people. You know, tag the right people. But before you start anything, have an actual goal in mind. Like I said, in life, you have to be really, really specific with what you want. Mm. You know, uh, if you have a certain goal that oh. I want to hit it big or, or I want to be a radio presenter, for example. Yeah. You know, so write down what are the things that you as a person can do. Maybe do a bit of research. Uh, look at other radio presenters. How do they start off their show? You know, what are the elements that go into a radio show? Kind of do your research on that. Then practice, 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 practice. I say that practice makes progress, not perfect. Nobody's ever looking for perfect. You know, you can never truly achieve that perfect, but what you can achieve is progress. So practice your skills. And then trust me, have faith in yourself. If you're doing the right thing, and you know, I believe in God. So God is always looking down at you and, and he's always there for you. So just believe, believe in God, believe in yourself, have faith, do what you have to do. And then when the right person has to come, they will come. Just have faith. There's a motivation speech for yeah. you, for everyone. Yeah. I have to say. Also, um, I have to say, when I started, I was a presenter. And somebody said to me, look, go back and do a six-month postgrad in journalism. And that taught me things that just being a presenter did. And it gave me such a good grounding. Um, and I knew if you know how to do news journalism... You can actually do anything. I just knew how to do entertainment fun then. And I wasn't qualified to interview anything in the political or news range. So that is really important, having that that knowledge and that base and that grounding. It will take you far and open a lot more doors. Who would you love to interview? Ooh, um, <laughs> you know, really... You know you've never interviewed me. Haven't I? Yeah, we've known each other four years and you've never even asked. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I, I'm not offended. <laughs> uh, no, I'm pretty sure we, I did at the collective. See, you don't remember. But for me, it was a big thing. Therefore, I do remember. Because I interviewed my idol. Who? You. Oh. You said your <laughs> idol was Shah Rukh Khan once said to me. Didn't you want to interview Shah Rukh Khan? Uh, maybe I that was I'd me. Come about maybe on that the was list me. Under yeah, Khan. I don't think that was me. I'm not really much into Bollywood. But sure, interviewing him would be pretty cool. I mean, I mean he's a great person. <laughs> he's achieved a lot. Uh, I don't... No, if there's anyone specific I want to interview. Probably, um, I know FIFA's just like finished. So um, the FIFA fever is still... Messi, yes, yeah. yes, She yes. loves Argentina. <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for coming on, my love. We've got to wrap up. And um, thank you for all your top tips. Uh, Mommy and Daddy's in the green room. And a little Ohana, the sister. Thank you for all being so supportive. And it's been great having you in. And I will look forward to seeing you at Dubai Eye presenting soon. <laughs> Looking forward to that too. I have Kareem in the studio with me from Kids App. Kareem, happy Twixmas. Happy Twixmas? Do you know okay, what I think that I is? missed something. Nope. So it's the first time I've heard this. Dr. Thraya said this to me. We were talking about it's the period between Christmas and New Year's. Aha. Uh-huh. So it's that kind of period where people are still off and they're supposed to be in the office, but they're not really going. Yeah, and- like we're in the office, but it honestly feels like <laughs> just a chill out day, just hanging out with my mates and just broadcasting <laughs> whatever <laughs> I feel like and playing whatever music I like. Yeah, it's that kind of in between where, you know, you're the New Year's around the corner. You've got to start all over again, but you're still a bit lazy and spaced out from Christmas and overeating. How was your Christmas? It was really nice, actually. It was great to spend some time with the family. You know, even if you wanted to get things done, it's really difficult because everybody else is off. So it was a, a forced enjoyment. Exactly. Did a lot of family stuff. It was great. That's like the old days when we used to have Sunday off, no shops were open, and Sunday was just a family day. You're forced to just spend time with each other, whereas now everything's open 24 hours a day. Okay. 
So during Twixmas, how can we keep these kids entertained? What have you got for us? We, you, we were at Winter City at Expo City. Have you been there? I've been there. I was actually supposed to go there when you were there, but I ended up here last time. Yeah, this is what Kareem does. We we tell him to come to a location and he goes to a completely different location. And when we were at Expo, he was here in the studio. So anyway, luckily today he's in the right place. So we went actually, um, you know, we went last night to uh, the Expo City uh, Festival. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, Winter City. It's re- it was a really special night, especially because it was Christmas and oh, there was the carols totally. and, and yeah, the Wassel show. And this is one of those nice activities that you, you can still keep going during Twixmas. Twixmas. <laughs> it's, um, they've got, you know, they've really transformed the whole mobility district. I mean, if you've been to Expo, and I think most people have, it'll be really interesting to go there and see how it's changed. It's still got the same kind of feel. It brings back this whole Expo feel, but it's a festive market. It's huge. The water feature is beautiful with the orchestra and everything. Yeah. Uh, we just bought a puppy a few months ago. So we also, it's dog friendly, so they will enjoy it as well. It's, it's really nice to take them there. And it's it's basically like a chalet style Christmas huts, pine trees. There's a, there's the festive background, a 16 meter high Christmas tree. Ongoing now for the next few days. There's still the Mrs. Claus show, which they showed during Expo, but this is the second edition. Can you go and sit in Santa Claus's grotto and meet him? So they they did have the whole uh, Santa meet thing. I'm not sure if they'll still be continuing it. <gasps> oh after. yeah, he's probably gone home now because Christmas is over. Yeah, sorry, Santa's not around He deserves a break too, right? Yeah, he needs a break, just like me. Anyway, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So then they have the the Toy Soldiers March going on as well. So there's still a ton of shows. You can check the schedule on Kids App. The kids will love the Octopus Playground, for example, uh, Rush's Adventurous Playground. So there's a lot still to do there, and I really recommend it. I did have pictures with the gingerbread men. They were lurking around there last week. Did you? What about food-wise? Any good options? There's a few places. I mean, there's the burger places. The, the Rove Hotel offers food. There's a there's a lot of food trucks over in the Jubilee uh, mm-hmm. sector. And then, of course, there's La Serre, which is where we ate yesterday. Okay. So let's talk about the regular one that I've been going to every single year, and that is the massive Madinat Festive Market. What are your thoughts on it? I went last week. What do you think about it? Has it, has it, has it gone smaller when it, since when it first started? I can't remember. There well, used to be an ice rink once. This is what I wanted to ask you, because actually we have gone to it every single year. The kids are a bit older now, and you know we've been busy with a lot of stuff, so we didn't go this year. Um, the activities are the same sort of activities they've always had. So they have the snow fight zone, the bungee jumping, the North Pole train ride, the, the Venetian carousel, Abra ride. There's still all of that stuff that was always there, and it's 1,750 square meters. Mm. So I, I don't believe it's gotten smaller. Yeah, but I don't. But I'm sure back in the day, some at one point there was ice rink, and maybe I'm completely wrong about that. Was I remember there, there was a snow park. There's maybe st- there snow was park an ice still rink there. Before. Snow park is still there. And uh, I think also we've been a bit spoiled by all the other activities happening, like for example, Expo Winter Festival is obviously <laughs> massive. I just think we're spoiled. Full stop here. Yeah. But yes, carry on. <laughs> so you did. So you didn't go this year. No, not this year. Yeah, are you going to go before it closes? Because I think it's still open. I think this is the time where we usually end up going to all of these festivals and we try them all out, like the Habtur one, like the Medina. Have you been to the Habtur one? I haven't been to that. We've been the last few years. And what were your thoughts on that? It's really nice when it's cold because they have a lot of these kind of German style huts where they ser- they serve like uh, sausages and. So is it mainly based around food huts, or is there activities or anything like that? Mainly food huts. There's some activities on the other side, really minimal ones yeah. and quite crowded. So I think it's more like the whole family food 
food kind of festival field. Okay, I should check it out. I think we need to check it out. Last year, I never did. So um, let's talk about winter camps. Are they still on? They're still on. All the winter camps are still running until 30th December. I thought I'd squeeze in a couple of different ones. One of them is for the brave because it's a sea camp. So unless you have a wetsuit. Uh, it's going to be a little bit cold. Although, actually, honestly, if you talk, if you tell this to any European here, they will they will not find it cold. Oh at no! All. Anyone here on holiday from Europe, they'll be like, "This is summertime to them." So this is happening on uh, Sofitel de Palm. Okay, it's on every weekday from nine until eleven a.m. It includes sailing, windsurfing, kayaking, snorkeling, swimming. The parents can sit in the hotel in one of the cafes and restaurants and enjoy it. And we're offering 10% off on Kids App, starting from 180 dirhams. So if you want your child to be active the last two or three days, maybe you just came back from holiday, this is a nice one to attend. What age is it for? This goes from four to eight. Yeah, and the Sofitel is where I go. I go paddleboarding um, there all the time. They've got a nice sports little area for, uh, obviously, winter camps. What about future skill winter camp? What is that? So this one goes actually from seven to 19. Mm-hmm. I wish someone would do something like this for adults. But anyway. Put that- it out there. Let's do it. I'll put it out there. They should do it. Okay, guys, if you're listening, we need an adult winter camp similar to this one. From seven to 19 years old. It's running from until the 30th of December again, weekdays until 2 p.m. And it's, it's kind of like a tech and art kind of uh, skill camp. So you do graphic design, photography, videography, digital painting, even fine art, illustration, graphic design, AI. You build smart houses and, and you look at how to code them. VR and web development, all of this is on for the next few days. And honestly, it's so much fun. fun. I would do it. Yeah, I would do it. Let's let's kind of create this and put this out there. Maybe someone will start one for us oldies. Okay, now fireworks is going to be a massive thing across the UAE. Um, where do we go and watch them? Or should we just stand on the top of a building and see them all? Because the skyline is going to be crowded with them. Actually, if you want to see them all, I have a better option for you. Come to your house. But... <laughs> But we might be camping, so you you know you won't find me there. But uh, we're going to talk about that after. So yeah. where 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 should we look out for these fireworks? Is there a good spot to go to? So see? so first of all, the, the the traditional spots in Dubai, right? Yeah. There's if you want to see the Burj Khalifa fireworks, you would look at that from either the Burj Khalifa area, the Dubai Water Canal, Sul Bahar, the Dubai Mall, Om Sukem. We've got all of these listed. Or if you want the Burj Al Arab fireworks. I mean, we're really spoiled here in Dubai, right? There's the Black Palace Beach, which is where we always used to go. Cause Where's we used that? To live. So the Black Palace Beach used to be called the Secret Beach or something. Yeah, it's, Helen goes on about that. Where is the Secret Beach? It's going to be no, no secret anymore. It's T- at the end of Hessa Street, basically. Or What? Yeah, so you just go right to the end of Hessa Street, and then you see all those bushes on the side of the... Yeah. I think it's still called Jumeirah Beach Road. Oh, or I Sofra know which Road. one you're talking about. And then you fly. Yeah, I know. So I we used to live around the corner. We used to do like the walk at midnight, you know, when the kids were really young yeah. and it was very cold. Walk to the beach, watch the fireworks. You could see them all from there. The the palm ones, Burj Al Arab ones, even all the way to Burj Khalifa. It's really nice. Okay. And what else? So then there's other spots. So obviously the Palm Jumeirah ones from the boardwalk there or the West Beach or the Point. Although I still think it's always best to watch the palm from off the palm, like the Black Beach, uh, the Black Palace Beach. 
And then there's El Sif, beautiful place, Blue Waters, Festival City Bay. You have also the, the light show that's happening there, the Dubai Frame, Global Village, of course. Town Square have, have usually got fireworks. So it's a really, really, there's spot for choice. But if you really want to see everything in Dubai and, you know, to avoid the crowds and have your own experience, I suggest you take you book through Kids App for the Love Boat experience. $6.99, if you book in advance, it leaves Dubai Marina around 10 p.m. Don't be late. It takes you out and you can see every, all the fireworks across Dubai and you can have snacks and bring food with you on the boat. So if you look out of our window here in the studio, across the street, not across the street, but across the way, you have the Burj Khalifa and you have the Burj Al Arab. I know it's a bit rainy and cloudy today. It looks yeah, like Birmingham. Yeah, it's a bit dark. <laughs> but... I will be able to see everything here. So if you want, I can charge you 100 dirhams to get in, you and your friends, and you can come and watch it. <laughs> Are you going to be working? I'm doing a New Year's Eve show with Andrew and Mark. Yes, yeah, so we're going to be having nice. some fun. So oh. there you go. Also, let's talk about, uh, wrap, let's going to wrap this up now. Uh, camping trip for New Year's. What are you doing? Well, so I've been wanting to do a camping trip for a while, and I love it when it's a bit cold at night because you feel like you're in the mountains. Yeah. And so I've convinced my, my, my wife and kids to accept it, but I have to find another family willing to go with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you wanted so, it cold, I could have put the AC on in here for the studio to get it feeling like Christmassy for you. And any New Year's resolutions, Cream? Do you do them? I think work less. Work less. Yes. <laughs> That's a really good one, actually. Most people are the opposite, chasing and trying to search and make more money. Good for you. Good for you. And spend more time with the family. What's your resolution? I don't make them. I'm one of those people, if I want to do something, I'll do it tomorrow. Wow. Which means I probably won't be doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Kareem. <laughs> Did you like my introduction, Ludmilla? Super. It was very classy. So do you think yeah. I would get a discount? There's a lot, there's a lot about me as a person. <laughs> I'll do my... I'll do my uh, yeah. I thought maybe you said a hug. I give you a hug. Okay. <laughs> then you blow you a kiss. A discount. See? <laughs> I don't want a kiss from a lawyer. I need a discount if ever I need a lawyer. <laughs> I said, I said it's, it's an air kiss. It's not a real kiss. Okay, so listen, um, how was Christmas for you? Oh, my God, it was so nice. It was so nice. We had a big uh, family gathering and basically a two-day celebration. So we do a big Christmas Eve and then just hang with the smaller part of the family for um, Christmas Day. Uh, so anyway. Where are you? Now. Are you not in Dubai, are you? I told you where I was. I can't You're remember. I don't listen to you. That's the problem because I'm talking uh, too much. I'm surprised. I'm surprised we're still like sitting in that seat, you know, and have <laughs> made it this far in life without <laughs> listening to me. You're so right. I should listen to more as a presenter. No, are you in America? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you yeah, go. I did listen. Yeah, you look, you look tired. I'm quite spaced out after yesterday's like eating and food. I, I, you look the same. You're rubbing your eyes. Uh, uh, no, it, you know, yesterday was my like a really, really naughty day. I had so many sweets, which I try not normally not to eat. Oh, my God. So um, I just basically that's all I ate. Sugar. If you and, could um, if you could see her, she's rubbing her eyes like me. We're just tired from Christmas Day. Too much food, too much food. OK, well, let's, yeah. let's get back to why you're actually here. OK, we can talk about this offline and on the phone when I call you later. Let's go to the legal life. Of Ludmilla, what is happening when it comes to I hear a new criminal procedures law? I like to sat, make out like I know what I'm talking about, but I do not. So, what is this? Indeed, so it's um, uh, there are two, perhaps just a set, set of context. There's um, several uh, significant laws, sort of that uh, 
a more or less a foundation of uh, legal systems in all all jurisdictions. And so in the UAE, you have the civil courts, and then you have the criminal courts, you have the civil laws, and you have the criminal laws. And so as part of the these um, uh, fr- frameworks, you have so the foundational laws, which is the procedures, i.e. I. laws that set out rules, procedures, uh, so the technical uh, timelines and uh, for, for each one of these uh, parts of the law. And so this is the UAE criminal procedure law that we're talking about uh, that uh, just came out uh, last week, basically. Uh, so it's quite n- uh, new. However, it is effective as of March uh, 1st, 2023. Uh, and that's the law that replaces the previous law from 1992. So just to tell you how big of a change in the legal system it is. Uh, and so what it does, it, it completely, it, instead of just amending certain aspects of the previous uh, criminal procedure law, uh, it brings in a, a brand new body of law that sets out uh, uh, the foundation for the criminal uh, for the criminal law and the criminal procedure. So what it does, for example, some of the major updates is regarding, for example, the travel ban. So when we in the UAE are so um, familiar with the concept of a travel ban, so that particular, just to give you an idea of what the criminal procedure law does, is that sets out, uh, for example, the conditions and the process for the travel ban, when it can be applied, mm. by whom, and how long it can uh, last, and so on and so forth. So, for example, now there's a new, uh, and by the way, so the brand that this the new civil procedure law or criminal procedure law, what it does it it combines a lot of the amendments from the previous law uh, and kind of restructures the previous law. But some of the most notable differences between the old law and the, and the new law is that, for example, regarding the travel ban. So in the past, uh, the um, the travel ban was, uh, without s- saving our listeners, the uh, nuances of the law. So one of the new amendments to the previous language of the law is that now the travel bans um, have to be, uh, uh, so, so can only be done in very exceptional circumstances. Uh, and um, and that's uh, you know, perhaps that uh, could be a sign of, of relief for many because in the past the travel ban was almost like a default measure. Whenever there was a complaint uh, to the police or the prosecution, the travel ban was sort of pla- is put in place immediately uh, as uh, by default. Now there are there are some changes to the new law which uh, clearly make it uh, more of an exception. Uh, so. Perhaps as time goes on and the, law is, the new law is being implemented, we can see some changes in that department. So that's one of the most notable changes. Um, the other one is about translators. And as you uh, earlier mentioned, uh, with uh, anything you submit to the courts uh, or to the police has to be translated into Arabic. Mm, yeah. uh, now, the previous law has always had references that anytime you have someone who does not speak Arabic, there has to be a translator. Uh-huh. Uh, but it wasn't as well defined as now. The new law clearly sets out the requirement for um, there's, a whole, there's a whole new section basically on translators and the role of translators. Uh, in, so, so are you um, saying? Let's say, let's say someone gets taken to a police, you know, to the police station. Um, they have if they don't understand the Arabic, they have to. They can request an English translator. Is that what you're saying, or whatever language? Well, it's not just the can that they have, they require to have one. Okay. Otherwise, the, any kind of evidence that's submitted uh, in Arabic can be later dismissed. Mm. And that is also now, it's not just the option for the party to request, but rather for the authorities to make sure that there is one. Mm. And then not to take any testimony without proper translator. And also the translator has to sign off on any documentation or evidence that's been presented by a non-speaking party or non-speaking Arabic party. 
um, uh, so um, that's you know that's that's a big requirement. Uh, we saw a change to this a few years ago, about maybe two years ago. Yeah. Uh, but uh, now this particular whole section, new section on translators, is every more defined and more uh, clarified, and makes it even more of a clear requirement for the authorities to make sure that all evidence has been taken in a language of of uh, in a non-native language for someone. Uh, has to be properly translated and signed off on. That's a good law. I'm the, glad that's changed and been amended. That's really indeed. important. And so that's just an idea for you where, so why the criminal procedure law is so important. We don't really talk about it on a day-to-day basis because it's a, a lot more technical, so it's perhaps more interesting for lawyers. Uh, but that is one example of where these kinds of concepts come from. That's that's basically the law. And that's why this new law is so important. Mm. There's a number of other uh, significant notable differences, but I'm not sure if we need to go to the break and we can come back to no, it. No, no, no. Go ahead. We have time. Go ahead. Oh. Okay, so there's also a waiver of a case after a judgment is issued. So that's also important. Uh, that, and that's a brand new provision. In the past, there wasn't an opportunity whenever the judgment is issued, for example, because remember, we're talking about criminal laws. And so in criminal laws, it's important to remember that it's not between two parties. It's between the state and the accused. Uh, and so, but yet there is a complainant. Uh, so in the, this, the previous law, and we've there've been many cases like this where complaint would, fi- would com- file a complaint with the authorities, and then authorities would pursue the complaint. And then when the party with the accused wanted to, for example, negotiate or try to settle with the complainant, there wasn't an option to do so. Well, now there is a specific option allowing for a waiver of cases even after the judgment uh, is issued uh, is issued and becomes um, uh, final. So that's another example. Uh, then um, a, the definition of judicial officers, because the law is quite um, uh, quite specific about the various powers uh, of who can actually pursue this law or implement this law. Uh, and that's usually the authority that's given to the judicial officers. In the past, uh, the judicial officers list was a lot wider and a lot more expansive. Uh, now, for example... And so under the uh, new uh, or under the old law, municipality inspectors were to be considered judicial officers. Ministry of Labor inspectors were also judicial officers. And by the way, so being a judicial officer means it gives you the authority to come and inspect someone and ultimately take them into custody. So mm-hmm. that was, uh, but now the municipality inspectors are no, are no longer judicial officers, uh, as is the case with the labor inspectors and the Ministry of Health inspectors. So um, that's another interesting, um, uh, interesting update. And some of the other ones, the um, so just at a high level, there is a whole new provision about freezing money and restricting access to it mm-hmm. is also uh, in the new law. And obviously, in terms of the money laundering, anti-money laundering regulations, that would be a helpful, a new tool for the authorities to use. Um, and um, some of the kind of more interesting ones for the, the nerdy lawyers uh, is regarding. Um, uh, criminal mediation, it's a lot more of a sort of specific and nuanced concept, but now there's also an uh, opportunity to mediate uh, criminal matters. And um, uh, there's some restrictions on imprisoning, for example, of uh, pregnant women and someone with mental or emotional, who is mentally or emotionally unwell. Um, so, um, and then there's a whole new process or, uh, or uh, regulations about servicing uh, parties and that is provided so whenever a, a case is filed uh, so how to serve a party okay. and so at least kind of high level some of the more notable changes and uh, obviously I can there's a lot more and there's a lot more detail but I think to just save our listeners the <laughs> boredom of getting into too much nitty-gritty details we can leave it at that okay so um 
Enon has just sent a message saying, um, I've been cheated by a scammer company from Singapore. I lost my money, which was a sum of $2,000. Now I'm trying to file a complaint against the company, but I have no idea where to begin. It's very difficult to file a case against a foreign company in the UAE. Uh, so the cheating complaint obviously fall under the umbrella of the criminal laws. Uh, and... Um, but uh, as is the case anywhere, when you file a complaint, you need to be able to ultimately bring that party to uh, uh, to justice, so to speak, in the criminal um, sense of uh, the the, uh, the the word. So, and to do that, you need to actually bring the, the being able to have authority over the party. So, when you're talking about a Singaporean company, even if you were to file a complaint, you wouldn't necessarily the authorities in the UAE would not necessarily have at least direct ability to bring that party. Uh, to justice in the UAE. So just to manage the listeners' expectations, it will be difficult to file a case against the Singaporean company. And this is why, uh, obviously, unless that company has some kind of connection to the UAE, mm. uh, but for, again, just to manage expectations and in, in, in the interest of saving time, uh, for 2,000 dirhams, it's perhaps not worth trying to serve the party in uh, outside the UAE and, and hire lawyers to pursue it because it's not going to be easy for, for the authorities to file a case here. Uh, if for the authorities, they need to be able to reach or contact that party. So uh, being based in, a, in Singapore will be almost impossible. Oh, um, wow. Again, for in the context of $2,000, right? If we're talking about hundreds of millions, you can uh, yeah. recruit lawyers, investigators, detectives all over the world and, and try to serve them and find them that way. Um, so just to manage somebody's expectations, I'd, I'd say it's not worth it. But my advice is anytime you transfer money, do do your due diligence and uh, request information about who this company is, mm. uh, because it may be that at least you have a contact based in the UAE that you will be able to at least file a complaint against. Okay. Um, we have a text from an anonymous person. Hi, ma'am. I'm a domestic worker. My co-worker hit me out of anger. Now, is there anything I can do about this? Because I'm worried it's going to happen again. Uh, for sure. So any kind of hitting is nothing short of uh, abuse or assault, physical assault. And that is covered by the UU criminal law. And that is against the law and therefore it is, it is uh, uh, punishable. Uh, so to, to the best way to report this would be to the police. That would be the jurisdiction of the police. Uh, and there are different ways of reporting the police. Uh, and I've mentioned it before, and I will not stop mentioning uh, that one of the blessings of COVID in the UAE is there are so many government services have gone online and have um, uh, have introduced specific apps uh, for their services, and including the Dubai police, for example, or wherever Emirates you are, uh, most of the police have similar tools for people to use to file a complaint because I know especially in particular uh, uh, for a lot of the domestic workers it's not so easy to go to the police and report a case uh, and now you can do it right now these days either through the app or um, online from the website uh, and um, so you should report this uh, there are even more effective ways of doing it in the context of criminal complaints that if you you can report the crime as it's happening mm -hmm. so the Dubai police for example has a service to be able to report uh, uh, events as they're happening so it, it includes sending pictures and videos uh, so you could also report it this way and I would say if you, if the if the listener um, believes that this might happen again I would encourage that you don't be afraid 
uh, and actually do file a complaint, uh, at least file a complaint to the, to the Dubai police app, uh, because it doesn't require much service, and at least you have a reference number. So in the future when it happens again, uh, then you'll be able to follow up on, on the previous complaint. So that's perhaps the best way of doing it. But obviously, but in addition to that, there's a more, there are simpler ways, and that is just to speak to your employer and, um, and document with the employer and ask them to intervene. We have um, a text from Wenslow and he says, is the new family law for non-Muslims applicable if a Muslim expat marries a non-Muslim expat? Well, it depends on who is Muslim, who is not. So first of all, just to remind everyone, if uh, a non-Muslim man wants to marry uh, a Muslim woman, uh, the only way to do it is for the man to, to do it legally and for the purpose of the UAE is for the non-Muslim man to uh, convert. And therefore, that marriage uh, would have to be Muslim. Uh, so if, however, the woman is, non, uh, is non-Muslim and the man is Muslim, uh, then um, there is no such requirement for, uh, for both parties to be Muslim. Uh, in other words, for the woman to convert. Uh, however, the, for, again, for the purpose of the UAE, that marriage would be considered a Muslim marriage. Uh, and, for example, if they were to have a child, that also that would also be considered the child uh, would be by default Muslim, and therefore uh, that relationship would be um, considered as per the uh, the, the, the Muslim law, so to speak, or so Sharia based. Uh, so, um, therefore, in that particular case, the family law would not the new family uh, law for non-Muslims would not apply. And that is because it is very specific that it applies only to, to non-Muslim couples. Okay. hope that's answered your question, Wenslow. So uh, Dino says, this is interesting, can you get arrested for browsing for products or services through the dark web? I have no clue about the dark web. Do you, Can you have access to this? This is a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. You, do not say anything there is, until you have a lawyer present, Ludmilla. <laughs> Uh, well, it, it, it depends, really. Uh, well, ultimately, is there a crime for um, for thinking about a crime, right? That's sort of the uh, <laughs> the, the idea. Uh, so um, you could, uh, depending on the extent of your browsing uh, and depending on uh, what sort of uh, the nature, I guess, of the browsing, what kind of um, products you're looking for uh, or you're uh, pretending to, to learn about. Um, so because ultimately also to... Um, Browse the dark web uh, again. Dep- much depends on, on the sort of the, the nature and the uh, circumstance of the browsing, uh, but it may be required to be using, for example, VPN. Because a lot of these sites in the UAE would be banned, uh, as they are in many other countries. But so to do this, for example, you could use the VPNs, and so just using the VPN for the purposes of uh, trying to access illegal information, for mm. example, is against the law. Yeah. Um, so um, ultimately, it depends on the extent, but you could. Oh, okay, that's good. Good to so don't know. Don't be thinking anything, Poonam. I, look, I don't even know how to do anything techie. So now you're talking about VPNs. Come on. It's never going to happen with me. But um, obviously, you know stuff. Um, so, Ludmilla, we have another one saying, with the new criminal law coming into place, will it be possible to travel to my home country even if I have a bank loan? Sure. And uh, we've talked about this on the radio for uh, quite a bit. Um, but just to remind, so just having a bank loan per se does not, I mean, or, or defaulting on your bank loan would not necessarily lead to a criminal complaint right away. In the past, there was a lot more uh, perhaps um, uh, sort of immediate. And that is whenever you wouldn't pay your bank, uh, your bank loan, uh, the bank would deposit uh, a guarantee check, which in most cases banks would ha- would help, would hold 
for um, uh, for debtors. Uh, and on the back of that bounce check, then they could file a criminal complaint and the travel ban. Uh, so that practice changed a few years ago, mm. and uh, now even the um, even if the check were to be uh, to be bounced, uh, it does not necessarily lead to a criminal complaint, and it does not necessarily lead to a travel ban. So, uh, first of all, before perhaps uh, you decide to um, what what to do, you need to find out whether there's a travel ban, whether there was a criminal complaint to begin with, and if there was a criminal complaint complaint that was filed a while back on the back of which a travel ban was issued uh, then um, if the travel if the complaint was filed because of the bounce check uh, those complaints or those uh, those kinds of cases are no longer criminal so you need to request for the authorities to close the case uh, and just pay the fine to the authorities and that's the option now uh, for bounce checks it's not that the uh, that the party has no claim for the check it's just there's no more cr criminal and repercussions in the way that they existed before. So now you can just pay the fine to the authorities uh, and then have the criminal complaint and therefore the corresponding trial ban removed, uh, but then be aware that the part of the bank ultimately can file a civil case against for the uh, against you uh, for the amount of the judgment, but that would not lead to a civil uh, to a trial ban. Okay. Tara says, along with two other business partners, I uh co-own a company in the Sharjah Free Zone. One of the partners has left the country, left in November, and without giving any notice, she did not cancel her investor visa as well. Now, our company's license is going to expire and we want to renew it. Is it possible to legally remove her and renew the company license? Almost impossible to do so without a court judgment. And this is why I just want to use this opportunity to remind everyone not to be too lackadaisical about going in into partnerships and uh, opening up companies with uh, other shareholders because it's almost impossible to remove a shareholder uh, without their consent or, or court order. Oh, and in wow. most cases, it's not even a court order. It's just it would be a court order for liquidation of the company. Uh, so um, in short, no, not possible um, unless unless um, obviously that, that party is consenting either directly or vis-a-vis -vis its representative. So the best thing to do is to contact the partner uh, and uh, try to convince them at least to sign off on a shareholder resolution to sell or transfer their shares to someone else. What, what if in a situation like that, the partner doesn't even respond and ignore, ignores it? They're still a partner in that business, right? They are. Legally speaking, they are. And that's and there lies the problem. And this is why there's, um, you know, my, in my practice in the UAE, I've seen so many cases like this where parties with the best of intentions go in and set up a, a venture together, not really thinking of the legal repercussions, mm. but... It's, uh, you know, as, as the listener stated, there are very immediate and practical inconveniences and issues that arise whenever one of the partners uh, is um, becomes absent or unresponsive. Mm. Um, and that's such as renewing the license, for example. So now what would happen in most cases is that uh, then you wouldn't be able to renew the license, for example, uh, and especially if that partner is a manager in the license, and then there will be fines on the on the company, and then you wouldn't really be able to make any kind of uh, HR amendments, for example, to to uh, even try to remove some of your employees if the company goes in default. So there's a lot of complications and leads uh, that that can arise from cases like this. That's why just always be mindful of who the partner you're going with partners, and make sure at least uh, uh, to have some kind of legal documents 
such as uh, shareholder resolutions or board resolutions mm. that would allow you to perhaps to try uh, to at least continue to run the company in the absence of uh, one or the other partner. Yeah, I know so many people have gone to business with people and it hasn't turned out right. Oh, my goodness. And yeah, it's it's worrying. Just get everything in writing. Um, Nyla says, can you sponsor a child if the parent has an investor visa? Yes, you can. So an investor visa ultimately is uh, gives you a full-fledged residential visa or residence visa as we all uh, have it. So it um, uh, it de- just depends on what t- sometimes depending on what kind of visa you have. And in particular, it applies for, for example, golden visa. You have a few additional benefits. Mm. Uh, but otherwise, as long as you have a residence visa, you can sponsor your dependents. All right. Let's see. We've got another one from Mandy says, me and my husband are married civilly in our home country and in the church. And we're still planning to have another wedding here in the UAE. Can we do it here in the UAE under the non-Muslim court? Uh, For sure. If um, there's different ways of doing it, if you want another marriage certificate, certainly that would be the way to do it. But otherwise, you don't necessarily need to. uh, You can celebrate your marriage, but using the same documents that you already have from wherever it is that you got married for the first time around. Um, so it's not necessary to um, uh, to have formally another marriage in the UAE. So you could just have oh. the, 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 cele- the celebration. However, because then what you do is you just use your civil certificate and you attest the legal attest for the purpose of the UAE, and then you are considered equally married in the UAE. Uh, however, if you do, for one reason or another, want to have an additional stamp of approval of your marriage, uh, then yes, you could do it uh, in um, and under the new uh, family law, you'll be able to even do it in uh, in perhaps more places. But um, uh, for the time being, because the new family law is not in effect yet, mm. uh, so there is the Abu Dhabi. Uh, that would be a non-Muslim uh, sort of a court and law that allows non-Muslims to get married and you don't need to be residents of Abu Dhabi to do so. Uh, so in the meantime, until the new family law comes into place, um, that is the most uh, convenient and readily accessible option. Okay. Um, we have, let me see, Pooja. I have a UAE residence visa and I came on vacation to my home country. Can I stay outside the Emirates for over six months without any effect on my visa? Uh, Not necessarily. So uh, that practice continues to exist, and that is if you're outside of the UAE for more than six months and your visa gets cancelled, uh, now you don't necessarily need to send your passport back and, uh, and and do it as as it was required before in order to uh, to update your status. Uh, but uh, when you fly back into the country after you have been outside the country for more than six six months, your visa will have been considered to be to, to be uh, cancelled, and so therefore you will need to make sure, depending on what passport you have, to either either you have a, a new tourist visa or you have a passport that allows you to have a visa on arrival. Uh, so um, now with the gold, with the investor visa, property investor visa, there is that exception. So if you have a residency visa that's uh, based on your investment in the property in the UAE, mm. and that's real estate property, that is, uh, then you don't have the requirement of the <clears throat> of being in, or having to check into the country every six months. So that's the only exception that we know of. And um, the only exceptions that existed uh, before for for um, other uh, resident holders and that was during COVID times and that's obviously no longer the case so for the time being you need to expect to come back into the country within six months okay uh let's do one final one um 
no name on this. I have an apartment in Dubai and it belongs to us, me and my wife. We want to sell that flat, but I'm now mainly based in Malaysia, living there. Can I authorize my wife, who's based in the UAE, to sell this apartment? Indeed, and now there are much easier ways of doing it than there were before. So the wife will need to have a power of attorney. Uh, and that would have to be specific to selling this particular property. Uh, and so in the past, you would have had to fly back into the country just to be more efficient and, and give the power of attorney uh, because it is it, has, it does have to be a specific power of attorney. And it should be no uh, no older than six months for the uh, more or less. There's some exceptions, but uh, to ensure that you have a smooth tr- uh, transfer, the, also the power of attorney needs to be fairly new. Uh, so now you can do you can grant power of attorney uh, through various online systems. So, for example, um, if uh, if your base or if your wife is based in Dubai, you can do through the Dubai notary that is online, uh, and otherwise you can also do it through the UAE, the, uh, the Ministry of Justice, as well. Uh, so there are a number of uh, online options of granting POAs. You just need to make sure that that POA is very specific to actually your wife's right or, or that you're giving her the right to sell your share in that specific property. Okay. And for that, sometimes the uh, the notaries also require to see a copy of the power of attorney or not power of attorney, the title deed hmm. for the specific property to see that you actually have uh, right in the property. So, but these days, even the title deeds, most a lot of the title deeds are. Uh, have a QR code so they don't even really need to see the original as was the case before. Okay well most of what Ludmilla says because she's just so intelligent goes over my head but she does explain a lot actually on video content you can watch her on LinkedIn I see there all the time and she kind of breaks it down for us idiots (laughs) and where else can we follow you because you do post a lot about all the new laws that are coming out. Indeed I mean so we have fairly uh, active social media profile, but the best way to find out the different uh, platforms that we use is through our website, which is lylawyers.com. Uh, and we've got a TikTok page and Instagram and, and, different, and Facebook and even our own Facebook page. Uh, and um, uh, every other possible social media platform that my team is uh, always tirelessly working at uh, to make sure that we cover all the bases to basically provide us information because it is all free legal advice and that we try to make accessible yeah. uh, to the broader masses. Yeah, no, and she just give you all free legal advice, little tips on what's new. So it's best to keep up to date with that because I follow her too because I have no idea what's going on. Ludmilla, thank you so much. What are you planning for New Year's? It will still be in the U.S. and um, just at a friend's party, um, which is kind of our usual New Year uh, celebration. So nothing, nothing wild. Honestly, I have to tell you, the UAE truly, or Dubai in particular, sets the world standard <laughs> in terms of celebrating most other holidays, including Christmas and certainly New Year. The yeah. fireworks, it's just, I honestly don't think there's any other place in the world that I know. does it better. So compared to what you will be well, seeing. Well, we're going to be in the studio seeing, for a special New Year's and we've got the Burj Khalifa and the Burj Al Arab right outside our window. We can see everything. So I'll take a video camera of it, a shot on my phone and send it to you. You won't be missing please. out that much. <laughs> yes, I'll be, I'll be vicariously enjoying the celebration with you. Ours is going to be a lot, a lot more mellow. Oh, bless you. And a you. lot less uh, festive. But thank you anyway for joining me on Boxing Day. I really appreciate it. We always love you and wish you a happy new year. Thank you. You too. Merry Christmas and a happy upcoming new year. Make sure you tune in to Afternoons with Helen Farmer every weekday from 2 to 5 p.m. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast.
To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.